Amen. Thank you, ladies. I barely remember the songs, and I don't really remember the words, but I vote for that version of it. It was a blessing to me. Let's say a word. Uh, Roger Roller had sent a thank you note and just wanted to pass on. He, he said, you know, you guys made me feel like I was home, a comfortable place and a warm, loving place. And so I wanted to share that with you. Thank, thank you for that because you guys are the ones that did that. It's a blessing to him as our time together was a blessing for all of us. Actually, closing out this series this morning on a call to to wake up uh, to the church as we had a wonderful time together of the week. And I, I want to close out. Don't worry, I'm not doing a verse by verse since we're going through three prophets. That could take a while, I understand. But we are going to look at different passages as we look at these three different prophets that God called with a message that I believe is every bit as relevant today as it was back when it was first spoken through God's servants. So I'm going to ask, uh, as we open up here, to turn to... We're going to look at the passage for our reading from the book of Joel, chapter 2. And I want to read verses 12 and 13, and verses 18 and 19. And so when you find that, Joel, chapter 2, I'm going to ask that you stand in God's honor. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Then the Lord will be jealous for his land and take pity on his people. The Lord will reply to them, I am sending you grain, new wine and oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that you were willing to tell us the truth. You, you saw the need. And that's you, God. We need you. And you saw a people who chose not to come home, not to turn to you. and So you sent your men. And Father, I pray this morning as we close out a time of these past few months of, of waking up and seeing who we are and whose we are. Father, I just ask that you speak, Lord. Father, we need the Spirit of God to, to move among us. Otherwise, it's just some empty words. Because you're the one that gets a hold of our hearts, Lord. You're the one that gets our attention. You're the one that brings lasting change. And God, all that is what we need. So we don't need a bunch of, of man strength. We need the Spirit of God. So talk to us, Lord. Uh, just uh, speak beyond human words. And Father, may you be blessed. As we continue this service, we just want you to be the recipient of attention and praise because you're the audience, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. I encourage you to come Wednesday night as we start a new study here in the sanctuary. 
uh, with a leader that we're going to see some videos of, a guy named David Platt, who God has given a heart in the issue of discipleship. It's called follow me. What does it mean to follow me? You know, as you look in Matthew seven twenty one through 23, our Lord says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Um, he, he, he talks about, he says, those who come and they prophesy in my name and do miracles and mighty works. And yet Jesus will say, he'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So we want to look in detail um, over the next six weeks over the issue of what does it mean to follow Christ? And as we had uh, those revival meetings, time will tell, we'll see as far as revival in our hearts. Uh, you know, Roger, it started out Sunday morning with the issue. It starts, guys, with salvation. You've got to understand where you are, that you need a Savior. And it starts there. That's the Christian life that begins there. And then you move on from the understanding of salvation to being set apart. You are a holy people called to be set apart for God. You belong to the living God. You're His. Your body, your mind, all, all that you are. And, and that, that's to be a disciple and, and to follow Christ, to be set apart. And then he, after that, there was a message you had in there that, that really caught my attention where he said you got to step up in your family. Hey, what role has God called you to in your family. Step up. Be the one God's called you there. Be His light. Uh, you know, be, be Jesus where you're planted. You know, serve Him. And then from there, you go from salvation, you go from being set apart to serve Him, to step up in your family, to be sent out to share His love. It is not hard to find broken people. It is not hard to find needs. And God has called us once we understand, once we're saved, and, and once we're set apart, and, and once we step up in our family. He says to be sent out to a world that aches to know love, to know meaning. And, and then that closes with a simple fact that we will be sent up. Hey, death approaches and God says, make the best out of what you got here. That, that is the key. And, and as I thought about our series of meetings, I thought, you know, that's a Christian life. That's following Jesus. And, and I want to take just a little bit of time going through these prophets, uh, these different men of God, as, as, as they had a message. And, and I want to begin in Ezekiel chapter 2. As we take a moment and look at Ezekiel's call. Hey, um... You know, you look at prophets, what a hard job. God called them to faithfully speak the truth, and many times it was to a people who didn't want to faithfully hear the truth. And, and, and it was tough. Um, as I thought about it, I thought, God, how do you do that? And, and I thought, you know, the same way God worked through the prophets is the same way He works through us. It starts with His presence. Is His presence in my life? Hey, is, is Jesus in me? Is He lived there? And it moves from presence to a simple fact of purpose. Once there's presence, there's purpose. God speaks to you and He says, This is why you here. you're here. This is why. <laughs> and then He moves from purpose and He instills within us a sense of passion. 
Because once there's His presence, once there's that sense of purpose, you can't help but be excited about it, see? And then from presence, there's a power. And, and that's what happened in the prophets. It wasn't the predicament around them that drove them. It was the fact they had experienced His presence that had given them a purpose, filled them with passion, and then power. Okay, so that's Ezekiel. We come to him in chapter 2. Let's just glance at here. He, he says, He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I'll speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. See his presence? See how he gives purpose? <laughs> See, we'll see how passion comes out and the power. He, he spoke, the Spirit of God spoke to Ezekiel. He, he, gave, him, he, he gave him something to say. And, and, and he, Ezekiel heard it. He listened. Now, I want you to look at these people. And there's a word that keeps coming up over and over again to describe them. And it's not very flattering, to be quite honest with you. But let's uh, look at it. Starting in verse 3, he said... Son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, and whether they listen or fail to listen, they are a rebellious house. They will know that a prophet has been among them. <laughs> and then he says, Son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid. Then down to verse 7, You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious house. <laughs> Open your mouth and eat what I give you. You see, there were, there were over two million people. And at the time of this writing, the people were in exile. They were in a, like a concentration camp type of situation. It was, a, it was a time of suffering for the people of God. And as someone has said, suffering either makes you bitter or better. And they were in a place where they were bitter. They were in a place where they were... Not open to God's voice. They were in a place where they basically said, I do not want to do business with God. I just want Him to leave me alone. I've suffered enough. You know, it reminded me, it's kind of like the guy uh, I remember reading about uh, years ago. On his 100th birthday, they came to interview him. And uh, the reporter said, I guess you've seen a lot of change around here. And uh, he says, what do you think about them? And, and uh, he said, I don't like any of them. And, and that's the way it is with, with a rebellious heart. God, leave me alone. Let me sit and sour. And, and that's how they were, guys. That was who the prophet Ezekiel spoke to. Uh, that was their heart at the time. Look at verse uh, 3 of chapter 3. Uh, he comes down and... He says, he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll I'm giving to you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Well, Ezekiel continued to spend time with God to enjoy his presence and his purpose and, and to gain that passion and, and, and a power uh, to be faithful. And, and then go, we're going to jump to the end of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 33. 
uh, an eerie section of Scripture because it, it reminds me so much of, of what we see around us now. Scripture in so many ways is timeless as it speaks to the human heart that through the generations does not change. There's still sin issues. There's still a need for a God. Uh, verse 30 starts out, verse uh, 30 of chapter 33. He says, As for you, son of man, your countrymen are talking together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, saying to each other, Come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. In other words, God, hey, as Ezekiel experienced the presence and the purpose and the passion and the power, he was on fire. Man, when he spoke, it was a show. He said, you need to come see this guy. He burns for God. He is the living man. He, he, he lives with God. He walks with God. Man, you need to see him. What, what? Everybody needs to come see this guy. And so they came. They came, a big crowd came. But notice as the scripture continues, my people come to you as they usually do. They want to see the show. They want to see what the hoopla is about. They've heard about this guy. And they sit before you to listen to your words, but they do not put them into practice. With their mouths they express devotion. But in their hearts, they are greedy for unjust gain. In other words, they like to talk about being set apart to God. They like to talk about this man and his message and what a wonderful message it is. But what they're really about is greedy gain. You know, it, it, it's like the guys that come to church and say, it's a great place to get business contacts. You know, it's a great place to move your business along. It's not about God. It's about self-advancement. And, and, and as he speaks here, you know, God kneels and, and he, he tells the truth here through his prophet. Notice how he describes in verse 32. Indeed, to them, you're nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words, but do not put them into practice. Like a beautiful love song that just... Lose your heart, pitter-patter, beat-beat, you know? I, I can remember, I think I was in middle school, and man, I had it bad for this one girl. Problem was, she didn't have it bad for me, you know? And I can remember just kind of laying there listening to that sappy love music, thinking, man, I wish she'd notice me. There was this one song, I think it was the Four Seasons, it was like, she was fifth grade, I was sixth, and... I dreamed how this would be, carrying the books or books. and all. Yeah, I can't remember. You know, but I didn't do anything about it. Why? Because I knew she didn't like me. But anyway, there, there, there is this time here. He says, they come, they hear. It's like a well-played song, a beautiful instrument. But there's no change. There's, there's no dealing with the truth of the message. And notice verse 33 here. When all this comes true, and it surely will, then they will know there has been a prophet among them. What happened, guys? They were rebellious. They were stubborn. They were close to God. And, and so no longer was the message of God ringing true in people's hearts. And so there was this emptiness, and there was this feeling, God, where are you? Well, I'll tell you where He is. He's in the act of obedience. 
He's in the act of taking His truth and saying, God, this is where I'm going to stand. This is where I'm going to live. And not just to come and, and to have your ears tickled and, and to be emotionally moved, but then leave and, and never let God enter your heart and your life and make it work through you. You know, hey, I want His presence, but I don't want to move on to that purpose. I don't want to move on, guys, to that passion and that power. And that's where they were. And he says, you know, there'll be this time where you'll say, where is the prophet? Where is God? All right. We hit there. Let's move on to the next guy here, uh, Amos. What a guy. Amos is just a simple fig picker from a place called Decoa. Good old southern boy, it sounds to me. Uh, Amos chapter 7. We're going to pick up at verse 10. (laughs) Once again, here's a guy that experienced the presence of God, the purpose of God, the passion of God and the power of God. It says, Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. Here's what he's saying, king. Jeroboam will die by the sword. Israel will surely go into exile away from their native Land. So this is what Amaziah, this prophet, said to the king. And now Amaziah heads out to Amos. Amos in his overalls got some big juice on him, I guess. Uh, and Amaziah said to Amos, "Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there." Don't you prophesy anymore at Bethel because this is the king's sanctuary in the temple of the kingdom. I can almost hear him snooty, can't you? I can almost hear him like, Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there. Do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel because this is the king's sanctuary in the temple of the kingdom. (laughs) Get out of here, y'all fig picker. We don't need your kind around here. I mean, can't you just see it? And, 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 you know, Amos, man, he's got a tough message. Man, these prophets, I respect them. They had to have the presence of God and the purpose of God and the passion of God and the power of God because this is not easy stuff to say. <laughs> Look at the message that, that was communicated uh, that he called him to share here. Uh, verse 12. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Get out, you... Or, I'm sorry, verse 14. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor a prophet's son. Hey, buddy, let me tell you something. I didn't grow up in a preacher's home. I didn't grow up in all the church stuff. I didn't go to seminary. Okay? (laughs) He says, I was a shepherd. And And I took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. He said, listen, God showed up in my life. It wasn't about me, it was about Him. It was about Him giving His presence, Him giving His purpose, Him giving His passion, Him giving His power to me. That's what it's about. (laughs) So now he shares the word, look at this. Uh, Then hear the word of the Lord. Do not prophesy against Israel. Stop preaching against the house of Isaac. This is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Now this is a message going back to the king being shared to this false prophet. This is not how to win friends and influence people. 
This is tough stuff. Your wife, a prostitute in the city? Your sons and daughters killed by the sword? The land will be measured and divided up? And you yourself will die in a pagan country? And Israel will certainly go into exile away from the native land? Um, Horrible, tough words to share. Now, turn over to chapter 8. Beginning at verse 11. And guys, as he continues to share through his prophecy... uh, Boy, it's just timeless. It is so... I can hear these words true today, not just in the day of Amos. Look at 8, starting in verse 11. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching... For the word of the Lord. But they will not find it. In that day, lovely young women, strong young men will faint because of thirst. What's he saying? He's saying what soothes the heart, guys. The the, the food that that really fills you. The, the thirst is quenched by the living Word of God. And he says there will be a famine in the land. People won't know the Bible. People won't be aware of the truth of God. And everybody be interested in tickling one another's ears. And the speakers will talk about positive thinking and building one another up. But there will be no mention about God's holy Word. About His truth. And, and there will be people who run from the book. And, and the question is, where are the people who speak the book? Where are the people who are the servants of the Lord? Where are the people who have experienced the presence of the Lord? And then there's a purpose to bring forth the Word of the Lord. And guys, out of that comes a passion and a power for the Word to be communicated. That God may speak. Hey, that's what He's saying here. And that is true today. Don't we need that? Amen? The book. Alright, one more. Joel. And then we'll be finished. Uh, in Joel chapter 2, what a devastating time. Uh, it's a time of locusts that have entered the land. And locusts cause a great deal of damage. <laughs> uh, through here, they, it says they swarm, they creep, they strip, they gnaw. In other words, destruction wherever they go. Where once there was, uh, you know, all, all these crops, uh, now they've just been eaten away. They've been destroyed by the move of the locusts. And, and there's a land here that's been destroyed because of a rebellious hearts and people not turning to God and, and, and people turning away from the Lord. And, and there's a lot of pain. Uh, matter of fact, you go down to verse 25. Uh, he says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locusts swarm my great army that I sent among you. He calls them a great army. It was a super spiritual spanking, I'll call it. And, and now they're finally at a broken place. You know, fighting against God never works. Why? Because you and I aren't big enough to beat up God. We're going to be the ones begging for mercy eventually. May it not be too late. 
As they come here, guys, and, and, and he's speaking in, in chapter 2, uh, there's all this talk, all this, all this terrible stuff, this devouring that's happened. But I want to uh, come to verse 12, which was a scripture we read. What a great scripture. Because finally they're ready. And God speaks. He says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, mourning. He says, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, <laughs> slow to anger, bounding in love, and He relents from sending calamity. Who, who knows? He may turn, have pity, leave behind a blessing, grain offerings, ring offerings for the Lord your God. And then down in verses 18, 19, he says, Hey, I'm going to send new grain, new wine, new oil, enough to satisfy you fully. No longer will you be an object of scorn to the nations. What's he say? You're going to get a new start. Hey, man, that's one of the things I love most about God. He says, I know you're screwed up. I know you're a mess. I know you're junk. Maybe nobody else does, but I do. And I want to give you a new start. Isn't that good? That never grows old to this preacher. Because I'm screwed up just like you. Hey, the only reason I'm up here is uh, kind of like Lori said earlier, God is a stubborn God. <laughs> he gets a hold of us uh, as He speaks to us, right? Uh, Alright, i got to close this thing out. A um, couple of truths here, timeless truths. Uh, first, for God to bring forth awakening and a revival among His people, there must be a return to a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. There's nowhere else to find what you need than Jesus Christ. We must return there. Not just in word, but in life. We must return there, guys. He, Jesus said... Uh, in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. All right, number two. Uh, there must be a, a return to preach the word. And not just from the pulpit, but guys, to let the word soak in you. That where you are, man, you're sharing the word through how you live and through how you talk. To be honest, even when it hurts, to speak the truth. It's critical. And third thing here, uh, the house of God must represent its true purpose. Why it's here. It's a house of prayer, not a house of business contacts. Not a den of robbers. It's a house of prayer. Um, it's a refuge for the broken. Man, may the church be a place where you can come and, and, and just get loved. Just get loved. Refuge for the broken. It's a harbor of hope. Uh, several years ago, Cindy and I heard uh, Billy and Ruth Graham's daughter, Ruth Graham, and she gave a very passionate talk at VI, uh, Virginia Intermont, about her dream of a, the church being a place where, man, you can really pour out your heart and be loved. And, and, and she talked about how she messed up. And can you imagine the pressure to be Billy and Ruth Graham's daughter? You know, ugh. And she'd really screwed up. But she talked about how God took her and forgave her. And, and yet how she had to keep quiet and hush-hush in the church. She said, oh, how I long for the church to be a place where people can come and, 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 and be safe. Be loved. 
That's what God wants, okay? Um, where there's new grace, where there's new starts, where there, there, there's a new place to, to, to find meaning and purpose. Hey, hey, it goes, you've been saying it all morning. You got presence, the purpose, the passion, power. That's just what he's about, man. All right, let me close with these words. Uh, I don't know where this cat, you know, I found it on, you know, on the internet, you know. As Swindoll says, all's fair and love warm preaching, so I'm not sure who said this. But I love the quote. He says, direct preaching has always marked the proclamation of God's men down through the ages. Noah's message on the steps going up to the ark was not, something good is going to happen to you today. Amos was not confronted by the high priest of Israel for proclaiming confession is possession. Name it and claim it. Jeremiah was not put into the pit for preaching, I'm okay, you're okay. (laughs) Daniel was not put into the lion's den for telling people possibility thinking will move mountains. John the Baptist was not forced to preach in the wilderness and eventually was beheaded because he said, Smile, God loves you. (laughs) The two prophets of the tribulation will not be killed for preaching God in his heaven and all is right in the world. Pastors who are committed to biblical exposition must have a confrontive element in their preaching. It's okay to be divided by truth that unite, than united in error. It's better to speak the truth that hurts and heals the falsehood than comforts and kills. It is not love and friendship if we fail to declare the whole counsel of God. It is better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. (laughs) It's better to stand alone with the truth than to stand alone with a multitude. Hey, we have an altar that is open, and we have a God whose heart is always open. In a moment, we call it invitation, response to the living God, and I just want us to really obey God, whatever that means. In a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. And if God's spoken to your heart uh, about this issue of, of presence, this issue of purpose, of this issue of passion and power, come to the altar and pray. God, that's who I want to be. I, I want to be there. I don't want to be where I am now, God. Move me. Awaken me. Because that's what I need. If that's where you are, maybe there's a public decision. You come, I'd love to pray with you. Whatever it is, business with God. And uh, if you need to, and to share with the people here, hey, God's all over me with this. And I need you to know. Be open to that. Anyway, let's pray. We're going to stand and sing and do business with God. Lord, uh, thank you once again for allowing me to uh, obey you, to speak. But, Father, what matters to me more than me speaking is you speaking. What are you up to, Master? Father, whatever you're up to, Lord, you know each heart. Just grab a hold of us, Lord. May we obey. May each one this morning hear your call as it has gone out to each one. Father, say yes. If it means coming to this altar, then may they come. If it means standing right where they are and making a decision, may they do that. If it means coming and and praying and and sharing before your people, do that. God, I just want to see you glorified. 
God, I don't want us to be like the ones Ezekiel spoke to and, and really all these guys. I, I don't want us to be rebellious and obstinate and hard-hearted. God, I want us to just be pliable in the hands of the living God. I, I want us not to block your blessing, but to receive it. And so, Father, as we share this morning, uh, Father, um, may we come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.